Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 1, Episode 5. I'm Bethany, your host, and joining me as a guest is Mara from the YouTube channel Books Like Whoa. In today's episode, we will be talking about discovering your taste in science fiction and our feelings on various subgenres and tropes. If you want to support the podcast and get early access to episodes and exciting bonus content from all of our guests, check out our Patreon linked in the show notes. Before our conversation today, it's time for On My Radar, where I share 10 recent or upcoming book releases in science fiction, fantasy, and romance. I will give you my top nine, and my guest will have the opportunity to share one of hers. The books for today's episode will be released between November 24th and December 8th, 2020, with the exception of my guest recommendation. She's free to suggest any upcoming release. So we'll start with romance. First up on November 24th from Kensington is Notorious by Minerva Spencer. This is the start of a new historical romance series about youth of the Regency era subverting the social expectations of the day. This book includes a marriage of necessity between a wallflower and a rake, both with a distaste for convention. Then on December 1st, we've got three books releasing. First up from Harlequin, we have Stolen to Wear His Crown by Marcella Bell. Part of the Harlequin Presents line, this follows a scientist who must suddenly and secretly marry a king she has never met before. Then from Sourcebooks Fire, we're getting The Frozen Prince by Maxim M. Marchenau, book two in the Beast Charmer series. This one's a fantasy romance involving assassins, dark magic, and a curse. Finally, from Avon, we have one of my most anticipated releases of the year, How to Catch a Queen by Alyssa Cole. This is the first book in the Runaway Royals series, a spinoff from The Reluctant Royals, which was a fantastic series. And this book features side characters from previous books and involves a royal arranged marriage, gone wrong. Moving on, let's talk about some speculative releases. First, on November 24th from Valentine, we're getting a sequel to Ready Player One. Do we need one? I don't know, but we are getting one regardless. So we have Ready Player Two by Ernest Klein coming out as of today as you're listening to this episode. This follows the events of book one when Wade makes a technological discovery that will change everything. Then on November 30th, we have a novella from the author of Gideon the Ninth. Princess Floralinda and the Forty Flight Tower by Tamsin Muir is being released as a limited run from Subterranean Press, but you can also listen to it via audiobook. This one looks like a tongue-in-cheek fairy tale about a princess stuck in a tower so well-constructed by a witch with monsters that all the princes have been unable to conquer even the first flight of stairs. Then on December 1st, we've got two books coming out. First up, we have another highly anticipated book coming from Penguin Teen. This is A Sky Beyond the Storm by Sabah Tahir. This is the final installment in her epic Middle East-inspired YA fantasy, and I am just waiting to see who she decides to kill off because... I'm sure she's going to kill somebody off, if not multiple people. We'll see. Then from Entangled Teen, we are getting A Curse of Roses by Diana Pingicha. This is a debut sapphic fantasy that is by a Portuguese author retelling a Portuguese legend. It follows a princess who is cursed to turn any food she touches into flowers while a famine is plaguing her land. Then finally, on December 8th from Random House Children's, we have A Universe of Wishes, a We Need Diverse Books anthology edited by Danielle Clayton. Included are YA fantasy short stories by authors including V.E. Schwab, Rebecca Roanhorse, Natalie Sue Parker, and many more. So with that said, please join me in welcoming Mara to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, it'll be 
good conversation tonight. If you could briefly introduce yourself to our listeners, that would be great, and share your pick for an exciting upcoming release. Sure. My name is Mara. I am from the YouTube channel Books Like Woe, and I would call myself an omnivore. I read pretty much all genres. Uh, Things I'm well known for are classics, romance, reading challenges, and just, I think, the sheer number of books I read. I'm a lot like Bethany. I read like 300 books a year. So (laughs) I read it. I read it all and I read a lot of it, um, including sci-fi and fantasy. And in terms of an upcoming release I'm interested in, there's so many, it's hard to choose. But I did this weekend just finish um, an arc of the next entry in the Wayward Children series. And that is Across the Green Grass Fields by Shauna McGuire. That comes out on the 12th. 12th of January, uh, 2021. And it's basically a fantasy. If you were a horse girl growing up, it's so like there are unicorns and centaurs and the magical world is called the hoofland. So like that, I think does it all. And our main characters intersex and we don't see that all the time. So awesome. yeah, it's yeah. really good. Shauna McGuire is always so on top of diverse representation in her books, but great stories too. Yeah. And sometimes the pacing in these hasn't totally worked for me. Like it can feel a little off balance, but this was one that I felt like really moved along at a nice clip. And like, it was just, I thought it was a really good entry in the series. Awesome. Yeah. That's up on my, on my upcoming list of things to read in the next couple months. So that's good to know. Tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about science fiction. And part of this was prompted by Mara. I don't know if you want to share it all, but you this year did kind of a reading slash video project on your YouTube channel. And guys, her YouTube channel will also be linked in the show notes. So if you want to follow her over there, you can. But a project trying out different sci-fi books figuring out your taste in sci-fi, which I thought was a really interesting project. And I feel like there's a lot to talk about there in terms of what are the different subgenres of science fiction? How do you figure out what you like and don't like? How do you feel about specific tropes? And we can both kind of share about this. But um, yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool project. Yeah, I called it Operation Sci-Fi because I, so I have a series on my channel called Know Your Tropes, where I kind of talk about tropes and different genres and subgenres that I enjoy. And I think that that's honestly like one of the most empowering things you can have as a reader is language to describe what kind of books you like, because it makes it much easier for you to find books that you like. And when I came to do my sci-fi one, I realized that while I kind of am pretty good intuitively of picking out what I'm going to like, I didn't have a lot of sort of concrete language to describe that. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to read the 20 finalists from the Goodreads Sci-Fi Awards um, from 2019, which maybe we could even get to the whole, like, (laughs) people have very strong feelings on the Goodreads Awards. But I figured in terms of, like, measuring things that were popular, it would do a good job of that. So um, I didn't quite get through them all just because of some, like, personal life issues, but I got through most of them. And I definitely feel like coming out of that, because I was having to sort of be a little bit more analytical about it, I do think I have a much better kind of vocabulary to talk about what I do and don't like in that genre. Yeah, no, I think it was interesting hearing you talk about it. And it's something I've been thinking about, too, as I've been getting back into sci-fi in the last year, because I had read, I used to read a lot of it, and then had not read quite as much until more recently. But you know, there's so many different 
types of sci-fi and things that people like. And I realize people's tastes can be pretty dramatically different. Yeah, I think you and I are similar in that we tend to be more kind of like character driven. I think my biggest takeaway, spoilers, is that I'm very, what I like in sci-fi is actually pretty similar to what I like in fantasy. Like, I like things that are character driven. I want there to be a cool world or like cool setup, but I don't, like, I'm not necessarily into an epic where that's in like a ton of detail. I'm more focused on like the characters and the plot than like, you know, a ton of really detailed world building. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty similar to what I like in fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think I'm similar in some ways, and I feel like maybe different in others. But generally, I do like also things that are more character driven, not necessarily there are exceptions, but I I like things that are more about characters and world building and political intrigue, or Mm -hmm. um, exploring ideas of empire, but in space, I think that's really interesting. I'm less excited about books that are just like space battles. (laughs) Like, you know, like, like I, you know, I enjoy a good space battle, but I need it like there on purpose mixed in with good characters or other things going on. I, I, I also think sometimes super hard sci-fi, depending on how it's done, can be less interesting if it's all about the science and the characters are completely flat and there's nothing else terribly interesting about it. So Yeah, I mean, and I I think this just gets into like different strokes for different folks. I know that there are some people who just absolutely love like, give me all the details of exactly how this science works in the case of sci-fi or in the case of fantasy, like give me every detail of this magic system. And that's just not like in, I (laughs) I feel like in fantasy, my one exception, like my one big exception is that my favorite fantasy of all time is Lord of the Rings. And like, that's really the only one I can think of where I'm like into it, like, give me the description of this tree, give me the description of everything. (laughs) Like, But for the most part, I want you to just like, dazzle me, like, just like, make me I I don't need a lot of explanation of how the spaceship works. Or Mm -hmm. like, I I just don't I don't need a lot of details about the science behind it. I just need you to sell me that like, I live in a world where this is how the science works. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I like I, I I enjoy it when it's clear an author understands the science and weaves it in, as long as they're also good at writing other things. So I th- I don't know if you yeah read, that's a good point. Well, I know you've read at least her novella, but like Becky Chambers, I feel like is pretty good at that. Where her I think her mom is a scientist, so she it's clear that she understands a decent amount of the science behind what she's writing, but she's much more focused on characters and world building than on just the science. Yeah, the one I read, I don't know that that's totally the vibe I got from it, but it was a novella, and I yeah. do plan on reading um, Long Way to a Small Angry Planet sometime soon. The writing was beautiful. I, d- I wasn't that impressed with that novella, to be totally honest. I thought it was fine. Um, but yeah, I want to try something that she's more known for. As it is one of my favorite books of the year. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know. No, it's okay. I, I, get, I get it. No, I get it. I mean, I know yeah. we've talked about this, but the, if, for those who are wondering, the book we're talking about is To Be Taught If Fortunate, which I get that it's not for everyone. I will say, because I also read Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, it's very different. And I do think you'll enjoy that one. It's much more like soft 
sci-fi with like a fun crew and it's like I, I think you'll enjoy it it's very yeah fun. like jolly japes with characters I like in mm-hmm. space that sounds great like let's yeah. do that um <laughs> yeah. and again the writing I thought was beautiful in that novella but to me that was really kind of the only standout part of it so mm-hmm. but you know again different strokes for different yeah books. yeah absolutely well and I think another thing that's kind of interesting is I can also be an ideas reader So sometimes Mm -hmm. if there's a book that I'm really into the ideas that the author is exploring, I will gloss over or overlook flaws in like pacing and plot and characters and stuff. I think like the classic example of this is probably Dune by Frank Herbert, which I love. And I hear people complain. Yeah, (laughs) because I hear people complain about it and say, you know, well, it's so slow and the plot is always getting interrupted with exposition and like the characters aren't like as dimensional as they and I'm like well you're not wrong I just don't care because I was super into all the ideas he was exploring and the way he was doing it. you're not wrong this is so boring but I just love the ideas it's like <laughs> like I didn't find it boring like I see why people would like if they're not into yeah. you know like I found it interesting and thought-provoking well, I mean, like, I, so I, I think we share, I do enjoy, um, part of what I go to sci-fi and fantasy for is mm-hmm. a way of having an author explore metaphor and ideas and parallels to our own world in a magical or a, like, futuristic or whatever world. Like, I want, I enjoy the metaphor to be a big part of what's happening, but I have to have it in court, like, it needs to be well incorporated into the story itself. So like uh, Ring Shout, that is like one of my favorite oh, books yeah. of the year. It is so dense with ideas, but the pacing and the plot and the characters are all also excellent. Yeah. So like it, it is very big on ideas, but it's in service of the story or like Murderbot. I think that's a huge part of why I love Murderbot mm-hmm. because it has so much to say about like what it means to be human and like what consent means in terms of like who does and doesn't count as a human uh but it's always in service of like this really fun rompy space adventure so I do like the ideas to be there but like I will not give it a pass if if it's not well incorporated into the story I'll say I love the idea behind this but the execution (laughs) did not work for me fair enough yeah well for anybody listening who has not yet read Murderbot I feel like you should pitch it because you are now like the Murderbot stan I mean, I, yeah, if you don't know, um, I am the lead uh, preacher at the Church of the Good News of Murderbot, and I would love for you to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pledge your troth to, to Murderbot. So um, Murderbot, the Murderbot Diaries, I should say, is a series from Martha Wells. The first novella in it really um, is All Systems Red. And I would argue that All Systems Red is an example of a perfect novella because it is perfectly paced. It has perfect plot in terms of like what it's trying to do is executed super well. The characters are great. Like it is a textbook example of like just a perfect novella. And that novella is about our main character who refers to themselves as Murderbot because they are part human and part... I'm never totally clear on like, like, is it Android or I don't know. Part so, so I think they're a biological AI. So they're like yeah, artificial yeah. intelligence with, with biologically grown parts. 
Yes. So their their humanity is well in the context of the world is they are not considered to be like a a full person or however you want to say right. that. But part you know the whole point of the series is that like yes they are they are a person they have feelings mm-hmm. but anyway they they're supposed to not just sort of be mindless drones. Um, and they're one of many of these things called sec units, which basically are designed to be security units for different space explorations. But this particular unit has been able to hack its governor module in its brain. And so it now can think for itself. And it refers to itself as Murderbot <laughs> because it thinks it's unlovable because it's killed people in the past as a part of its job. But like, it's maybe the most cynical, lovable little sentient ai you've ever met yeah and the first book is sort of like an isolated close uh, circle mystery plot Mm -hmm. which is probably why i love it like it's a kind of a mystery plot there's lots of action it's just the best so Mm -hmm. go read all systems red well and like all murderbot wants to do is like watch watch trashy tv (laughs) murderbot just wants to like find a like room in a spaceship and just like hang out there for eternity watching trashy tv yes yes <laughs> but who, who unfortunately the world does not want to let murderbot do that so. yeah murder well the problem is murderbot has a conscience so when like the humans and other ais in its orbit get into trouble it can't help but help out yeah so yeah murderbot is a great character it's a great series and you should certainly read it if you haven't yet yeah, absolutely they just came, they're coming out with a box set of the first three novellas, I think. Or no, they did a box set. Oh, no, they're coming out with a box set of the first three Wayward Children series. They have a box set of the novellas, the Murderbot novellas, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Tor.com sometimes does them uh, as free ebooks. So definitely. Yes. Or higher discounted. Yeah. 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 They're great. And the audiobooks mm-hmm. are really good too. I like the audiobooks. I've never tried the audio, but yeah, I could see that being a good audio pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they're good on audio. Yeah. Okay. So with this Operation Sci-Fi Project, what are some things you discovered you do and don't like? I've discovered that I'm very picky about a time travel trope. So (laughs) yeah, like I can love it. Like my favorite book from the whole project is, um, or was The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley. And it is military sci-fi that has a heavy time travel trope in it. So I can like it. Mm-hmm. I, however, for the most part, did not enjoy <laughs> the books in that reading project, or I thought they were just okay, um, that had time travel. And I think what I've learned is that I'm, I like time travel if it is a plot device, mm-hmm. but I think that it's pretty hard, like, if, if a part of the project of the book is getting somewhat into the ethical or moral implications of time travel, yeah. I'm pretty picky about that. And I think I found that for the most part, I don't think people do that super well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was what, probably one of my biggest findings. There was a lot of time travel on that list. Yeah, I like I tend not to find that kind of thing is very interesting books that Mm -hmm. are about time travel in terms of what are the ethics or can you change the past or the future. I don't know why I don't find it interesting. I feel like maybe because I saw a lot of movies that were based around that when I was growing up and I just kind of never liked them that much. I don't know. 
I, th- I think I find it kind of like emotionally manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of a cheap or easy way to add some like emotional angst. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's like true moral, ethical, and emotional implications of time travel. Like it, mm-hmm. I think if you're willing to do the work, that can be addressed. But I think too often it feels sort of like, almost like a tearjerker movie. Like it feels yeah. melodramatic to me a lot of times. Um, yeah. And I didn't, and and like in the light brigade, it's a part of the the plot in the light brigade is, I just love the light brigade. It was great. But, <laughs> it, but you know, it's sort of the d- plot device. It's how the plot is moving along, but there's not all that much time spent. Like that's not where the sort of like main metaphor of the book is. It's much more mm-hmm. about sort of the ethics of war rather than the ethics of time travel. Still much more so, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, which I I just felt like that was a more manageable project. But like, yeah. I read Here and Now and Then by Mike Chen, which was a time travel one. It wasn't my favorite, but I gave it four stars because I really did like, I thought he, he sufficiently, that was sort of the metaphorical heft of the book. And it felt like he sufficiently addressed it in a way that did not feel emotionally manipulative to me. Yeah. A book that I read recently that I thought was that I with time travel that I thought well I guess it's not actually you know what it's not even time travel. <laughs> it's <laughs> not time travel it's parallel universes which I feel well, similarly I think related yeah. yeah yeah I think it's the same kind of like I think it scratches a lot of the same itches yeah it like that feels similar to me but I one thing that I thought I thought it was interesting it Definitely, I didn't rate it super high because I think it's it's a debut novel and you can tell it's a debut novel. So like some things with the plot and pacing weren't ideal. But um, The Space Between Worlds by Micaiah Johnson. Oh, yeah, is, that one looks interesting. It is really interesting because it's using parallel universes and the way that they work in this world as a way of exploring um issues of class structure and privilege because you can only travel to a parallel universe where your parallel self is no longer alive and Mm. so there's a corporation that hires people to go they like make money by finding stuff out about parallel universes and so they'll hire people to go but all of the people who can go are people from less privileged backgrounds because their parallel selves are less likely to be alive for various reasons Mm which is interesting. So I think that's really interesting to me as a project. I don't know that it was executed perfectly, but I thought that was a really interesting way of using that kind of idea. Yeah, I think it does address a lot of the same kind of ideas as time travel, because you get into this idea of like multiple selves and like, you know, what happens to your life if a little, you know, a few variables are different or whatever. So yeah, I'm glad to hear that that was at least interesting. I mean, even if a debut isn't perfect, if it's interesting, that to me is always exciting in terms yeah. of future work. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm going to be keeping an eye out for what else she comes comes out with. She's got an interesting academic background too, which I always I'm always curious to you about authors that have studied like politics or history. <laughs> I tend to find some of their work interesting. Yeah, which actually, yeah. do you know about? Um, the, the author of Ring Shout, which you mentioned earlier, P. Jelly Clark. So that's his pen name for his fiction. But he's actually a um, he's actually a professor who studies like race and history in America. I did not know that. But I mean, that 100 percent makes sense, given that yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, really interesting. Such a good book. It is really good. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
yeah, I would say the other, like one of the other interesting things to me that I <laughs> discovered was that the books I liked the most were some of the lowest um, voted for <laughs> in the awards. And all of the ones that I gave the lowest rating to, like my bottom three were the top three in terms of votes. <laughs> Um, it's like Goodreads Choice Awards might not be your best way to pick sci-fi well (laughs) yeah I mean like so my then the the one that won in 2019 was Recursion from Blake Crouch oh yeah and it is time travel I definitely felt like it in my opinion was one of the ones that was like a little bit more emotionally manipulative version of it but I think part of why I was picky about it is that I am a big mystery thriller reader and Mm -hmm. to me it felt like just like not a very good version of a thriller so I wonder if like you don't read a ton of thrillers if it would have felt like fresher maybe I don't know yeah maybe I haven't read it because I know it has time travel and I've thought oh well I should because I should try something by him but I keep putting it off because I don't really like time travel books yeah, it's, I mean, if you already don't like the trope, it's not the one I would recommend okay, to someone well, trying to get into it. That's good to know. I might not try so hard. I yeah. really enjoy things with a lot of politics and stuff. I don't, I don't know if you, did you, have you read um, A Memory Called Empire? By yes, that was, yeah, that was the, I ranked that I think my number three in the project because it, it was nominated. It's so good. I yeah, it was really good. It. I I had some issues with the pacing towards the end. Same, yes. But um, yeah, like I really like the writing. I like the I like yeah that 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 hit a lot of my pleasure buttons because it was all about the political machinations, which is something mm-hmm. I love in both sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah, same. I I also thought it was so interesting the detail with the linguistic world building. I thought it was fascinating, mm-hmm. kind of the way she gets into linguistics in that one. I, I love really the naming it. conventions in that mm-hmm. book. Like there's such wild names because it would be like, I feel like it was like a number and then an object. So you would meet someone named like seventeen hair clip or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> have these crazy That's names. Interesting. I'm super excited about that. I think it's just a duology, and I'm really excited for the next book because I feel like the next one is probably going to explore more things to do with empire, which this got into a little bit, but yeah, I, I'm kind of nervous. I don't know if I'll read on because I actually really like the way the book ended. It is a good Um, ending. Which that always, it's like a, a, you know, a strength and a weakness, I feel like in a series, because on the one hand, books should stand on their own, but Mm -hmm. If it doesn't entice me to keep reading because I like the way it ended, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. I'm curious. I'm curious to see where it goes, and I really I enjoyed it. And it's her debut, and so I'm I, part of it is I'm also curious to see how her second book is. I didn't realize that was a debut. That's like hella impressive. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I was really I thought the writing was really really nice. Mm-hmm. I think. She's married to another author. I can't remember who her wife is, but I think it's somebody else who's an author who's fairly well known. That sounds right. Yeah, I feel like I saw them at the Hugo Awards. Now I, I want to see if I can find it. Vivian Shaw is her wife. Oh, yeah. Okay, I recognize the covers of her book, Strange Practice. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's anyway, power, that power couple. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? They're not the only ones. You know who else are married? That I don't know how many people know about this, but um, Natalie C. Parker and Tessa Gratton are married as well. I know Tessa Gratton, or I know of Tessa Gratton, but I ha- I don't know that I know of Natalie C. Park. Natalie C. Parker writes more YA. She wrote the Seafire books, or Seafire, which mm. was like a YA kind of group of girls on ships fantasy thing. And she's written some other things, uh, so yeah. Okay, I recognize these covers. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. So it's always interesting. I'm always curious about authors' personal lives. <laughs> so. <laughs> I it just depends. Uh, yeah, sometimes I don't want to know more because when I find out more, it's like, oh, okay. Fair. <laughs> but sometimes it's great. Yeah. Like Courtney Milan has like the best personal life stuff ever. Like, yeah. So it's exciting. I I so I know we're talking about sci-fi, but I'm so glad you because you sent me the first book by her that I ever read yes. and I've last month I read like three of her books I just I've been loving her stuff it's so good I mean I'm also gonna take credit for the fact that I made you read Psy Changeling also so. true yes you're welcome yes. I'm like blessing your life yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> no I knew Courtney Milan would be your yeah. deal like her whole project is very you yes <laughs> that's really true She's I mean everyone. this is Courtney so good Milan this is, is great. exactly what I like it's great yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my list here of other ones. Did you, so the other two ones that I absolutely love from this, um, have you read Exhalation from Tenshin? I have not, but it's kind of on my list of things I'm interested in. I've heard good things about it, and then I saw you really loved it. I saw the the movie Arrival that I know, I think, is, is it in mm. there that the short story is, or is that a different It's not in that collection. collection. Yeah, it's a different one. And I definitely want to read that collection now because it was, uh, it was just so good. Um, I really, these days, I love short stories, but I'm pickier, a lot pickier about them than I used to be. And I do find I quite enjoy kind of like literary genre short story mm-hmm. collections. And this totally scratched that itch. Like, it's just the writing it's not necessarily like super lyrical or anything but he's just so clearly like he packs a lot of ideas into his stories Um, yeah like and there's a huge like range of the kinds of sci-fi in this collection like it's got you know ai it's got um alternative like parallel universe or alternative timelines it's got virtual reality i mean just like dystopia like pick one and it's there's something in here um so I was super impressed with that. I I just absolutely love cool. it. Well, yeah, I've heard really good things about his writing, but I have not I've not read anything by him at this point. Yeah, I, he's he's got ideas. I think you would be into yeah. his kind of project. That interesting. Um, yeah, and then the test from Sylvain Nouvelle. That was the other. I, one I really liked enjoyed. that a lot too. Did you yeah, read I've read that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was a great example of like a high concept novella that just like really executed on its yeah. idea pretty yeah. effectively yeah no I thought it's it's interesting because I really enjoyed it and then I was watching the replay of the live show from the booktube sff awards and it was one of the finalists in the novella category and most of the judges mm-hmm. had problems with it and uh w- which I thought was interesting I kind of feel like it hits better with an American audience was what I gathered from their conversation basically mm. 
Yeah. Interesting. Because one person, for instance, was talking about how because it's the it's in the British immigration system and thought that it was a terrible depiction of how it actually works and was like like problematic. And I was like, that's interesting because from what I know about the American immigration system, it really, you know, I I felt like was very effective. And the one judge who did like it was also American. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. hear the conversation. So, you know, don't want to sure. fully judge. I guess I find it somewhat an interesting critique to say that it's not like the real system, because like, that's the point of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be like the real system. Yeah, like, it's I think I think she felt like I, I, I'm paraphrasing here and it's been a while since I've watched it. So, but I, I want to say she was saying something to the effect of that it was making incorrect assumptions about what the, the test is even for or what they're looking for and didn't like, I don't, I don't remember. I think there were also some people who felt like it was like slightly racist, which I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it was, it was an interesting conversation. So you, Maybe if you get a chance to see it and see what you think, but yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and again, like I'm not, I'm not from the community against whom there would be racism right. perpetrated. Right. So I mean, I definitely can't be the arbiter yeah. of that. But that wasn't to me. Again, that was kind of like the point of the story was undermining racism. Right. So I'd be interested yeah. to hear um, what the critiques were. I admire, I mean, I really, if you can't tell, just even from this conversation, I brought up several novellas mm-hmm. and short stories. I'm somebody who really values um, well-paced stories that know when to get in and get mm-hmm. out. Like I tend to, I feel like the longer your book goes on, the more you need to kind of earn the length. Mm-hmm. So I do really enjoy a well-done novella because I think, especially in this, like, it's so hard to get people to read anyway. I love being able to give somebody who may not be a big reader a novella and say like, Hey, I think you'll really like this because it's something that's a little more like consume, like easy to consume right. or like easy to work into, you know, your busy life. And I just really admire people who have enough command over their own storytelling that they can tell a fully realized story without it having to go on for three, four 500 pages. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that makes sense. I, like, I'm finding I do like sci-fi novellas, but I also think I'm more okay with reading longer things. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think I have probably more patience for it than you do sometimes, <laughs> even if... Yeah, that's probably true. I think especially as I get older, I just, I don't know. I read, um for this project, I read uh, Wanderers from Chuck Wendig. And it did, it reminded me of what it's like to just sort of get lost in a book that probably was too long, mm-hmm. like objectively. I think it probably should have had 100 or 200 pages trimmed out of it. It was like eight or 900 pages. So it, that was a nice reminder to me of like, okay, yeah, like if I'm into a book, I can get kind of just lost in it and not, you know, get super critical about length. But I don't know. I I tend to feel like in sci-fi and fantasy, there's somewhat a value in the community for long books kind of for the sake of them being long. And I guess like maybe that's part of why I really like enjoy and champion novellas and short stories in that in those two subgenres when I find them because I'm like, see, you don't like you can tell a full story 
and you don't have to go as long as I think people kind of yeah. assume you do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I do think some stories need to be longer, but I also think there's something to be said for, you know, learning how to edit yourself and consolidate your ideas on to some to some extent. I mean, I like a good book. It's funny, I, you know, I used to buy books based on how long they were because they would last me longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I did that as when I had more limited um, book yeah. funds. Yeah. It was like, you got to make bang for buck. Make every it count. Day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, so now with how many books I have to read, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. I mean, I definitely can get like, I'm thinking uh, I read the first book in Robin Hobbs. Um, Farseer trilogy this year which is sort of a long meandering book and like I enjoyed that like I can get swept away in it I guess I just I want to like I don't know challenge this sort of prevailing perspective and speculative fiction where it's like oh if it's not a doorstopper it doesn't it's not detailed enough or it's not whatever enough it's like okay well sometimes like some authors are able to do this with much fewer pages and be much more effective cough well well, I was about to call someone out. I'm okay. okay. <laughs> I almost called a very popular author onto the table and I, I held myself back because <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want those okay. <laughs> Oh, goodness. You know, one thing, I don't, I don't know that these are paced perfectly, but just in terms of ideas, the Binti trilogy by Nadia Korafor which are sci-fi novellas. Yeah. And those, I mean, I think they're not they're not necessarily perfect, but she packs so much world and so many ideas into so few pages. It's really remarkable. Yeah. I mean, I I did have problems with those novellas. Um agreed definitely on the density of ideas, but I'm actually even more impressed with her um Akeda. Mm-hmm fantasy series for YA middle grade because it's the same thing like they're not I mean they're YA middle grade they're not that long but like the amount of world building and the amount of just like crazy things that happen in those Mm -hmm. books like it's like you know it's very dense I love her her imaginative sort of like landscape is just kind of amazing and astounding and what would it be like to live in her head? Seriously, I feel like her books are among some of the most imaginative that I've read, or I feel it's like nothing else I've read, yeah. which is amazing. Exactly. And I love authors like that, where it's like, I can't think of somebody else who is exactly like yeah. this author. I And I love that yeah. feeling. Okay, so one example of this that I know you were less a fan of, but I feel like falls into that category, is Tamsin Muir, who wrote Gideon the Ninth. I know you DNF'd it, and it was, like, not for yeah. you. But yeah, I... It is... She is distinct. I 100% agree with that. Very distinct. Well, and I think she's doing really interesting things with the craft of the novels really kind of outside the box. Because I read... I, so I, I read the second book in the series, Hero of the Ninth, and I ended up landing on four stars for it because I was like, basically, the reading experience of the first half to two thirds of the book is not a pleasant one because it's very disorienting and confusing and you don't understand what's going on and you're, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not pleasant, but huh. if you stick it out 
it all eventually makes sense and it's like brilliant and the choices that she made that didn't make sense earlier in the narrative structure and style are like perfect and I don't know I just was like whoa this is really amazing and really cool not necessarily the most fun thing to read as a reader the first time around but like so well crafted you know yeah I mean I actually that the feeling of purposeful disorientation from the author to the reader is one of my favorite things to experience in books. Um, like mm-hmm. I feel like the light brigade does that uh, library at Mount Char does that like where mm-hmm. you're like, I don't totally know what's going on, but I can tell the author does and they're giving me <laughs> enough to go on that. I don't feel like I'm just like completely adrift in, in nothingness, but like, I don't yeah. totally know what, like I actually really like that feeling. Um hmm. So that probably wouldn't be a problem for me. I, however, really don't like Tamsin Muir's writing style. Um, and that's one of the number one things that makes me DNF a book. Because like, if I'm not yeah. enjoying the voice of the author in my head, I, mm-hmm. it's very like Catherine and Valente. I want to love her books so much. And I just, I've tried to, in both of them, I just like actively was having the worst time like one of the worst yeah. times I've had reading a book and it's just because I hated the prose so much um so kind of similar to Tamsin Muir because I like the ideas that were in Gideon the Ninth I just yeah I could not with the writing that's, I mean that's fair it's very stylized like if I were to compare it to a movie it would be like 300 mm, yeah I could see that and which you know it, so she's got like very kind of like over the top stylized brutal sort of writing and Gideon I think also what's interesting so this is the other thing that's interesting is book two is not from Gideon's perspective mm-hmm. and so it's it feel that's the other thing is it feels very different so I, a, a lot of people don't like Gideon as a character I love her as a character I think she's great I realized how much my love for the first book in the series when I was reading the second book was carried by my love of her as a character <laughs> And, yeah, and I wasn't then I didn't her. have her. Yeah, I know. Well, I know. Like people, a lot of people are not, which is fine. Like, but for whatever reason, like she just strikes a chord with me, and I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, she's like one of my favorite characters. You know, so, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where I tell people re try a couple chapters. If you don't like Gideon or you don't like the style, you're probably not going to enjoy the book. Probably yeah and I even tried I tried reading physically and I switched to audio because I was like oh maybe I'll like this better and I was like nope hate it like yeah. I like it less <laughs> when no. it's being yep. read out loud so. yeah which yeah. is fair I mean it's probably just not for you which is yeah. is totally fine but I yeah, I really really loved it a lot and the second book was harder because it's not from her perspective and it was striking to me how different the tone was, which means that she can write very distinct character voices. (laughs) Yeah, that's impressive. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I always feel I I very much subscribe to um, I don't know if you've heard of the Judge John Hodgman podcast, but it's a good one. Mm -hmm. One of his uh, sort of edicts on that show is that people like what they like. And you Mm -hmm. cannot talk someone into liking something that they don't like. Yeah. So that's, you know, I very much believe that of like, you know, Hey, like the reason why there's so much, you know, different content and media in this world for people to consume is because there is, you know, 
an infinite variety of human taste and enjoyment. And some things are for me and some things are not for me. And that's okay. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I, okay. So one other book that I really liked this year, and I would love to see more people. I feel like nobody is talking about it. I haven't seen anybody else talk about it. And I think it's really, really good is Unconquerable Sun by Kate Elliott. Oh yeah, that was on my radar when it first came out. But I think I just had, I think because of Operation Sci-Fi, I was like, oh, I just don't mm-hmm. think I can commit to that this year. So I think you might really enjoy it if you get a chance to try it. And it's such an interesting idea. It's a gender flipped Alexander the Great in space mm-hmm. is the concept behind it, which is really cool. And it's very fast paced. If anything, I think my main critique of it was sometimes it felt too fast paced where I wanted more breathing room for the characters. But it's really interesting in terms of politics. It's got a lot of that political intrigue, a lot of complex courtly politics and relationships and different moving pieces. And it's also dealing with ideas of empire and it's got battles and it's, so it's great. It's got like everything. And I'm like, why is nobody else talking about this book? It's really good. Well, Kate Elliott is one of those authors I've wanted to try because I feel like she's sort of one of those like, underloved pioneers Mm. of female speculative romance writers. Um, Yeah. So I have a different book from her on my shelf. Ooh, it's called Cold Magic. That's what it's called. Oh, that's Um, good. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. And I want to try her for that, you know, like, I don't know. I'm always into the pioneering ladies of different genres. So I want to, I want to try her and give her, you know, give her a chance, but I'm glad to, the premise of that one intrigued me when it was coming out. So maybe someday, I'm sure my library has it. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like it's the kind of sci-fi you would probably enjoy. Yeah. 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 Not, this was not something that was represented in Operation Sci-Fi, but something I have very much solidified for myself this year, uh, probably recently vis-a-vis my uh, love of Ruby Dixon. But um, I've also realized how much, like, I knew that I really liked fantasy romance, but this year I also feel like I've really, like, dug into my love of sci-fi romance. Um, Like, because I feel like a lot of it is very like metaphorically it's dealing a lot with essentially like cross-cultural romance or even sometimes like interracial romance yeah Um, like it's a lot of the same kind of conflicts and thematic ideas and then like also Mm. they tend to be just sort of like light and fun and very character driven obviously which which is something i Mm -hmm. like in sci-fi in general um but yeah i think that's something else this year of sort of like yeah no i really i do like a sci-fi romance quite a bit. Like I like a dystopian mm-hmm. romance, but I really love like a um, like mail order bride alien romance. Like those are just like <laughs> silly fun. And, you know, and <laughs> Ice Planet Barbarians, there's like some really fun <laughs> over the top <laughs> premises. Um, and I'm like, I think I'm book like 15 right now. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> binging those. <laughs> Uh, I read the first one, which I'm glad I like know what it is now. (laughs) I'm going to tell you. I didn't hate it. It's just like. I liked it much more than I thought I would like it. Because I knew Mm -hmm. about the um, like hard things that happen in that book up front. Um, Yeah. And I thought that would like totally kill my. I thought that was going to totally keep me from liking that book at all. Yeah. But but I actually especially cuz then the there's like a um novella between the first book and the second book where they like really address some of what happens at the beginning of that oh. book. 
Um, and it made me feel like it was more kind of like respectful. Um, Mm -hmm. so anyway, that's interesting. Yeah. I was less bothered by that. A little jarred. Yes. It's a lot. There's basically just content warning for people. There's like on page, pretty frank descriptions of, um, sexual assault. Yeah. It's pretty early on. Yeah. But not by the hero. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the, but the cooey <laughs> Bethany, he doesn't know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like they get it. Like, I think the first couple of them are a little like heavier in tone, but they get really like pretty rompy pretty quickly. Um, and okay. they're very benchable. <laughs> Like, these like <laughs> dumb hot blue aliens with their magical <laughs> genitals like it's just they're dumb and sweet and the human women <laughs> just are like helping them figure out how to make their little ice planet a little more habitable <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but anyway uh, that's, yeah. Been, that's been a fun discovery this year of like yeah, really yeah. like you know diving in more on kind of that intersection between two genres I already like and just enjoying and kind of naming like, yeah, I really do like, you know, a good sci-fi Right. Well, and I mean, speaking of earlier, we mentioned the Psy Changeling series. I would call that sci-fi romance. It's grouped in often with paranormal. But it's not. It's sci-fi romance. It's sci-fi. Yeah. 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 And so is, um, I would call, oh, I gave you the first book in this. One of the series from Alona Andrews, the Innkeeper series. Yeah. It, that was, that was, it's like a sci-fi fantasy crossover. Which yeah. Is which is, I will say that's something else I really love. And like, I, this is something I like in general. I tend to like mm-hmm. genre crossovers. Um, I yeah. really like it when something's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I love it when a book is ambiguous as to if it is sci-fi or fantasy. I very mm-hmm. much enjoy that. And yeah, yeah, but I tend to think, especially, I don't know if you've read further in the series, as the series goes on, I, I, I think of I it much it. more as sci-fi. Um, okay. but yeah, like that's another, to me, that's like a sci-fi romance little series that I absolutely love. Yeah, that's really fun. Have you read yet the fifth season? No, no. Because that's a really interesting series that is very ambiguous as to whether it's sci-fi or fantasy. Yeah, it's one that I'm definitely going to get to at some point. I think because Mm -hmm. I'm fairly certain I figured out the quote-unquote twist in the first book based on what people mm-hmm. have said about it. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's like kept me from going there because. But I mean, even if you will, but, but even like, if you know the twist, like there is so much more to that book. Like I, it's a yeah. rereadable book, you know, like it's like, that's, it's like layered. Know. Well, and I'm much more it's, of it's, a um, how than a what reader, but I think because I figured that out, I was like, okay, I want to like give like, kind of give it some space and I'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. So I do, I plan on reading it at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed uh, The City We Became this year from N.K. Jemison. That was good. That is on my list of things I want to read by the end of the year. So you will, I think you will love that book. It is very idea forward in a way that Mm -hmm. I think you will very much enjoy. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think whenever you do get to it, you're probably going to love the Broken Earth trilogy. It's just, oh my gosh. I mean, it is brilliant there's a reason all three of them won hugo awards that's the thing like i'm not sure i've really encountered anyone who hasn't loved them 
I'm I'm sure that they're out there, but it seems like that's one of those books that just like almost everybody loves. Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen some people the the people who seem not to like it feel like it's too dense and complicated. I don't think it is actually that but I think sometimes those people are people who are not used to reading a lot of more intense adult sci-fi or fantasy in the first place. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't think of, based on what I know of it um, and reading some of her other work, I would not guess that's like a good transition for people who are trying to go from YA to adult. Yeah, no, probably. That would not be my recommendation, but it is really good and really brilliant. And if you're used to the genres, it's super readable. And I'm just, I could, I mean, I could do like a whole gush about this (laughs) I mean, your so podcast, sorry. you can go for it. You heard me. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I could. That's true. Well, I mean, her, because her character development and her world building and then the themes that she layers in, there's just so much going on that she's talking about. Mm-hmm. It And the plot is also really interesting. And I did not see coming the direction it took later on in the series. And you know, book one has its own sort of themes, but later books are really interesting too, because one of the things they're exploring is the complexities of parent-child relationships, mm. which is, is, there's there's just so much. And then there's stuff dealing with systemic racism and oppression, stuff about privilege, stuff about, you know, how we think about family and relationships. And there, you know, there's a lot layered in with the characters, but then there's the larger world piece of it. And then there's all these other things that I can't talk about because they'd be super spoilery that you can find (laughs) out later. So it's just, there's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I know I'm going to love it. I, so I don't know. Well, actually I do know that you probably relate to this just based on the fact that you also read as much as you, as, as I do. Um, I have recently I've been feeling the weight of how many series I have going that I haven't either caught up with or finished. And I do think Mm -hmm. that one of my goals probably for 2021 is to stop starting as many series Mm -hmm. and to try to catch up with some of them. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I have so many like sequels on my TBR shelf and I look at them and I'm like, I know I'm really going to like you, but there's this shiny new series right over here and whatever. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Cause we both read a lot of front lists, like to kind of find the right mm-hmm. balance. But that's yeah. part of my thinking too, is like, oh, do I really want to commit to like a very, you know, like a series that I know I'm really going to love right now. Like I kind of right. want to like finish some series or catch up. I don't know. That's probably yeah. just no, overthinking, but um, I I mean I get it. I think my experience with it, which was interesting, is I read the first book and I was like, well, I now need to immediately keep reading. So I mean, I binged the whole series in less than two months. So like, it oh my just... gosh, we'll see. And like, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now with Ice Planets. I I mm-hmm. couldn't do that with In Death just because of how many there are. But I mm-hmm. like I did read those pretty quickly. Side Changeling I read in six weeks, not even. I read that in oh, like wow. a month. Um, oh where gosh. are you in Side Changeling? Um, I just finished book 10, <gasps> which was great. It's such a good it one. Was, and Bethany, when one. I tell you that the 12th book is <laughs> everything, like if you think book 10 is good, like <laughs> strap yourself in. Like I the 11th book has been one of my least favorite in the series. It's okay. But the 12th book, mm-hmm. 12, 13, and 14 are all great. But 12 is just like... Chef's kids. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, 10 is definitely, I, I, so I actually recently ordered copies of my favorites so far in the series in the trade paperback covers, because I like those covers better. Yeah, they, the, the covers get good at the 12th book. Like they started getting Mm -hmm. more, what I would call like neutral covers, because they realized Mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe non-romance readers would like these and like, lo and behold, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, yeah but yeah no I I hear you yeah yeah but so I ordered those I it's funny to me I like them even when I don't love the romance I just keep reading because it's like it's your pals Mm -hmm. like just hanging out with the different um clans and tribes and yeah I mean Mm -hmm. a a bad side changeling book is still like a better time than I have in many things I read yeah no it's great so I think so I've read 10 so far and I'm buying four of them. Yeah. So pretty good fit yeah. rate. I, yeah. Let me guess. Okay. Caress by ice. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Kiss of snow. Obviously. Uh-huh. I think you liked some of the kind of like, I think you liked seven and eight better than I did. Um, um I, I need to find. Okay. Cause did no, you, I'm not did you get remember. the one with Mercedes? Okay, so I got I got book one. So I actually really liked Slave to Sensation. I liked I, them. Yeah, I think I like it better in retrospect. I for some reason I feel nervous. Like you have to start at the beginning of Side Changeling. Um, yeah, like you you can't really read that series out of order. But I always feel nervous telling mm-hmm. people that because for whatever reason in my mind I have it that the first one is not that good. But I think it's just because mm-hmm. I know how good it gets later on. Um, yeah but the first one is no like there's a reason the series took off the first one's good yeah I you know I think the thing is too is I also just really loved those characters you know Mm, so even though the first one wasn't perfect I really liked them and I loved what their relationship turned into in later books too so yeah I don't know you could just spend a lot of time with that couple you do the series which is nice yeah so the other one that I bought was branded by fire which is Mercedes yes I was gonna because that's a really yeah that one's really good Mm -hmm. yeah I liked that so okay yeah okay those are those are good picks um book 12 book 12 is like one of my top favorite books ever of all time like even not just in a series it's just I don't well now I feel like I'm overhyping it but I haven't over I didn't overhype (laughs) Like, I didn't overhype Caress by Ice, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you, like, no. I think you... Caress by Ice is, I mean, it's on my favorites of the year list. It's great. Oh, it's, oh my gosh, Judd. I love it's it. Still my beating heart. Okay, well, anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to make this the side changeling cast. No, this is great. That's fine. I, yeah, I think what I really loved about, well, I mean, I liked everything about Caress by Ice, but I think the thing for me that pushed it over the top into favorite status for the year was the way that it handled a intimate relationship after experience having experienced trauma Mm -hmm. yeah for sure I just felt like that was so well handled and that for me was sort of the extra like the thing that nudged it up to favorite status well and I feel like it handles that from both parties because really both of them have experienced like a profound violation of their own autonomy um so oh yeah, the yep. power dynamics in the entire Side Changeling series is just fantastic. Like, yeah, this is part of why I like sci-fi romance, because um, Side Changeling, I agree, is a sci-fi romance series, but same for fantasy. Because mm-hmm. there's some sort of speculative element, 
for me, there's more room to explore like more quote unquote problematic power dynamics because usually Mm -hmm. the women involved in relationships have some sort of power of their own or they're living in a futuristic society where there's a lot more gender parity. Right. So like there are like some over the top, I mean, like you just read Kiss of Snow, like homeboy is like a super over the top alpha, but (laughs) Like she can literally destroy him. (laughs) Yeah, you know she can get as good as 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 she gets. So for me, it it opens up space to have like these interesting explorations of tropes of like power Mm -hmm. dynamics that I would not be comfortable with. Probably not in a contemporary, but certainly not in a historical. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, alpha male is never my favorite thing, but I am much more okay with it in this kind of speculative series if the heroine is not kind of a pushover. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I can deal with the heroine being a pushover if it's protective alpha in these kind Mm. of books, which I think I probably have a higher tolerance for that than you do. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But, (laughs) but in general, yeah, I would agree. Like part of what I like is, okay. Yeah. Like he's kind of an alpha hole, but like, she's also like not taking any guff. So no, it's, it's not a problem. Well, and also I think particularly book 10, that relationship had just been such a long time coming. Oh my gosh. Right. (laughs) And then like the, I feel like the payoff at the end of that book with like how the political part of it comes together and then like how her power gets resolved because you know, like, Mm -hmm. well, and this is what Nilly Singh does so well. She sets these situations up and you're like, it's impossible. Like, how are they going to survive? And then like, she magically every time she figures out a way to like spell me on it. And I'm like, that's how, like, that's how they survived. And I love it. It's great. And I'm just like, yes. Or no, wait, Sienna. Is that her name? Uh, Yeah. Sienna. Yeah. Yeah. Sienna. I'm just like, like, it was just, it was everything I wanted. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. That's great. Okay, well, I think we are about at time for this episode. Well, this has been fun. So thank you so much, Mara. And uh, Mara and I are going to stay after. She records some special bonus content for patrons. So again, you can check that out in the show notes if you guys want to get in on that. We've had some really exciting, juicy bonus content from all of our previous guests. Again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcast, and I'm your host, Bethany. You can follow us on Twitter at Chapter 3 Podcast, and you can also find me on YouTube at Beautifully Bookish Bethany if you want even more book content from me. The next episode will be available in two weeks, and this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next couple of days. Thanks for listening.